0: Welcome to the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. I'm Mike Slater, new host of Breitbart News Daily on SiriusXM, Patriot. Uh, it's such an honor to be here. Uh, this opening monologue, uh, I talk about my, my trip to Nashville. I, I live here now in Nashville, uh, but it didn't, didn't, go, didn't go smoothly. And speaking of not going smoothly, we uh, dedicate the first uh, p- uh, monologue here to uh, the attempted coup of Vladimir Putin and what that means to us, America, and money and who is this Progrosian guy that's all you hear in the media is a and the wagner group Wh- what where did this all come from so we tell the the full backstory the full context so that everything you hear in the news and read on breitbart.com uh, from this point forward will make sense with proper context here it is enjoy This is surreal, and I'm grateful to you for being here and for giving this new operation a chance here. So I've been on radio for 16 years. I started listening to radio when I was 14 years old. I'm a radio junkie, just like you. You're listening at 6 a.m., so you're a radio junkie that qualifies you. you. If you're wondering if you're one or not, yes, you are. And I say that because I know, first and foremost, as a radio fan, how hard it can be when your favorite host leaves. Or moves time slots or is bumped by some no name loser who's not Alex Marlowe. Tell you that much. He's no Alex Marlowe, right? I get it. We got this guy and he talks too fast. He's a know it all. Christian Ugh. I'm tuned I'm tuning to Stern. <laughs> Hits one. Anything better than this guy. But I'm grateful for you giving us a chance here. It's the same breitbart.com foundation my job is to be the conductor of taking all that amazing journalism and content and insight and experts that's always been over here at breitbart.com and continuing to bring it over there to uh you here now that's my job and uh it's an honor and my wife asked me how i feel about starting this new dream job tomorrow which is uh now <laughs> two minutes ago and I, I i said surreal surreal and it's wonderful now we'll get to the news of the day of course russia is the big story we'll do that in just one second but a quick personal note uh, i have four kids uh six five three and seven months and we've lived in san diego for 12 years and one of the stipulations for taking this job was you have to move out of california and i said no no please no what whatever you do, don't make me do that. That's really the reason why Alex can't do this anymore, which really is a testament to how much he loves his family because his family is calling for him to be here in California or there now, so he's like my family's calling me to be in California, and like a man, he goes where his family needs him to be. But if there is one thing that Alex Marlowe loves more than Breitbart.com and more than this radio show, it is his family. He's a good man like that. And that is genuine and true. I want you to know that. So the stipulation for me being this host was you have to move to the East Coast. And my wife is from Chattanooga. We met in Jackson, Tennessee. My first radio job out of college was in Jackson, Tennessee, outside Memphis. And uh, we got married in Tennessee. Like Tennessee's home. And I said, all right, fine, I'll leave <sighs> San Diego, but can we move to the central time zone? <laughs> is that okay, too? So, alas, here we are in Nashville, Tennessee, where we've always wanted to live. Now, I really bring this up because the movers, moved. Well, I, we we landed on uh, Saturday, just two days ago. So, our movers moved our stuff here, obviously, right? And they used uh, two medium-sized trucks. We didn't go with uh, Mayflower or Allied or one of the big companies because... They're like, oh, it'll, it'll take us uh, seven to 12 days. <laughs> we're like, well, I got, a, I got four kids. I got, how are we, like, what are the logistics of that? I don't understand how that works. So we found local movers who said, we'll do it in four days. We'll just pack up the stuff. It'll take us four days to drive there. You meet us there. Boom, done. So it's like, oh, great. We'll get a hotel in San Diego. We'll fly out in three days, land in Tennessee, stay a night, meet up at the house. Oh, the logistics were planned out beautifully. Oh, you should have seen the plans written out on paper it was a thing of beauty the way we had it one day into the journey i get a call in the afternoon from the mover it's like that's weird i feel like he's not just trying to shoot the breeze so long story short they made it to the border of california and arizona and one of the trucks blew up and caught on fire and huge huge, massive flames like a michael bay movie and everything just turned to ashes so we lost everything half of everything we lost everything in that truck, which was half our stuff. So we lost half the stuff. So that was fun. Uh, <laughs> we have insurance, so it's all good. I should say half of our stuff, but all of our sentimental things. Pretty much every sentimental. So our, our handwritten wedding vows, baby clothes. Um, on my TV set behind me is a stack of my grandpa's and great grandpa's old Bibles from World War I and World War II. Oh, oh that brutal. But on the other hand, we have insurance, so I also get new tools. So it's like, uh, every hour my wife remembers another sentimental thing that we don't have. And then every hour or so, I remember something that uh, we don't have that insurance will pay for that I get a new one of. So on total, like the net balance of emotions in the Slater family home is pretty neutral, all in all, due to exploding moving truck but still, I guess a bummer. Anyway, that was my weekend. Everyone's okay. The driver had to jump out. <laughs> the truckers listening will love this. The flames were so high already. His brother was driving the other truck. His brother called him and said, Hey man, cars on trucks on fire. So he looked out and the flames were so high out of the driver's side. He had to jump out of the moving truck from the passenger side and the truck drove off the road and burned to a crisp. So that's fun. Anyway, enough about me. We'll have plenty of time to catch up. Uh, over the hopefully many years here. So let's get to the news of the day. We've got to start in Russia. The big question is, how weak is Vladimir Putin right now? We are being told he's never been weaker. And I think you and I are wise enough to not listen to the lame stream ever. So we have some wonderful guests today that can help us get to the bottom of this. What are we to believe how much of the, the uh, perceived weakness of Putin is the Western media's wishful thinking? Oh, we, we really hope he's weaker than... Or is it wishful thinking or is it just straight propaganda? Daily Mail. Putin has never seemed so weak in almost a quarter of a century at the helm of Russia as president or premier. Never seemed so weak. Is he weak? Is that true? Garry Kasparov, the chess champion. Putin has been humiliated. Hmm. Has he? I don't know. We'll find out today. Someone at Stanford, a desperate quick fix deal saw Purgosian's, uh Wagner, heavily armed force, halt their march on Moscow and return for a deal that drops all treason charges against him and his men. It avoided a potential Russian versus Russian bloodbath at the gates of Moscow. Yet Putin has never seemed so weak in almost a quarter of a century at the helm of Russia. Uh, Russia analysts said the 70-year-old uh, So I don't know. This is uh, someone at the Hoover Foundation. Progrosian, and we'll, we'll explain him in a minute, makes a daring move, gets away with it, potentially with additional gains to come. Lukashenko, who's the president of uh, Belarus, we'll get to him in a minute, he saves the day. Putin reduced to a bystander, complaining on TV and letting his top generals be humiliated. Never in a quarter century has Putin looked so ineffectual and hapless. They say we got Oliver Lane, Breitbart News, London bureau chief coming up at 640, just a little bit here. And then we have someone else coming up at 8 o'clock, another expert. Um, Let's chat a bit here. So uh, one thing about me, uh, I will never present, I will never pretend to know something I don't know. I will never pretend that I've heard of something that I've never heard of. I will never be afraid to have a guest on who says a word and I'm like, wait, what <laughs> What was that word? Who are you talking about? I don't know what the, or like, they'll give an acronym. And I was like, I don't know what that acronym is. What what's it gonna-? It's one of my pet peeves. Most people on TV pretend they know what they're talking about when they have no idea. And this really bothered me actually with the beginning of the Russian, well, our beginning of the Russian Ukraine war. It really kicked off in 2014, uh, officially, I guess, but if you're in Ukraine, you would say it started in 2014, but for America, our perception it started February 2022. And I heard all these people on the the media talk about the Donbas region, casually, as if anyone's ever heard of the Donbas region in Ukraine. As if they've ever heard of the donbass region in Ukraine. Here they are reading the teleprompter as if that's a normal part of their casual conversation. Oh yeah, you went to Disney World this year? Oh, my family and I we went to the Donbas region. Oh, yes, of Ukraine, of course. I mean, it's beautiful. Oh, well, you know, all my favorite foods come from the Donbass region. Everyone loves the Donbass. You've never heard of the Donbass region? So I, I don't like pretending that I know things I don't. So who is Yevgeny, Yevgeny, Yevgeny Progovnish. I've been practicing all morning. Pregosian. Pregosian, that's it. Progrosion. Yevgeny Progrosion. and what is this Wagner group? That is actually pronounced Wagner, named after the composer. So we got uh, Progrosian and Wagner, names most people have never heard of that are now the, the most important thing in the news right now, and everyone's out there acting like, well, of course we know all about uh, progrosion. Oh, progrosion? Oh yeah, big Prigogine. <laughs> like, huh? So, what is pro- who is Progr- pro- who is Progrosian and what is Wagner? The Wagner paramilitary group. All right, here's uh, here's the basics. Just look at the background here. I like to get the background, the history, before we can talk about the now and the what's next. So it goes back to 1981. Pergosian was 20 years old. Actually, he was 18, and he was a thief. Broke in, robbed people in nice neighborhoods. He was arrested, and then he was uh, released a little bit later and then arrested again at the age of 20 and was in jail for nine years. He was released in 1990 from prison, and his first gig out of the pokey was selling hot dogs at a market in saint petersburg now one quick sidebar it's pretty wild if you look at a map how close saint petersburg is to finland russia is massive it's the biggest country biggest country in the world landmass wise if you're a trucker right now you know how big america is america's very big russia is twice as big Russia is twice as big as the United States landmass-wise, but they only have two percent of the world's population. So I don't know about you, but when I think about when I think about Russia, I think about I think of I think of Mong- uh, Mongolia, and China. That's what I when I think Russia, I think I think East Coast Russia. I don't think of Finland, but Russia and Finland huge border, and they've they fought crazy wars. The Winter War of 1939, temperatures as low as f- negative 45 degrees. Can you imagine? Negative 45. I have a couple friends in the military who are doing a lot of cold weather training right now in Alaska, preparing for a war in a very different terrain than Iraq. But imagine that negative 45. What, what are you? Uh, Isn't even a thing? All right. So anyway, back to uh, Purgosian. So he's slinging hot dogs on the streets of St. Petersburg. Made some money. Ended up owning a grocery store. Then he got in the gambling business. And then in the construction business. But in the gambling business, that's where he met a young Vladimir Putin. Putin was the chairman of the casino board of St. Petersburg. All right, so you got uh, Prokosian in the casino business. You got Putin who's running the show. Could you imagine how corrupt that enterprise is? Then Prokosian goes into the restaurant business. So he goes back to his hot dog selling roots. And that's where Putin and him got really close in the restaurant business. He owned some restaurant called, It's like on a, I forget what it's called, it's on a boat. It's on this river and it was on a boat. And it's like this super fancy restaurant. And if you Google the restaurant, you're like, really? It's, it's not that, that nice looking. But uh Jacques Chirac, the president of France, ate there with Putin. Uh, George W. Bush ate there. So you got these pictures of Putin, George W. Bush, and in the background, Pragoshin, the guy who owns the restaurant. It's weird. But from there, he got a lot of government contracts. Government contracts can be a bit shady in America. Can you imagine what they're like in Russia? Uh, And then he got the contract to feed the Russian military for $1.2 billion a year. And that's when, uh, well, again, I think the the, the corruption at play there. So, uh, all right. All good, Slater. Very good. Hot dog guy. Cool. They had uh, in the restaurant business. Okay. Very good. Uh, What's the newsworthiness of this Slater? So, I'm missing a dot which we will get from our guests. But somewhere in this time period, he started a paramilitary contracting company called the Wagner Group. And that's named after uh, the German composer who uh, uh, was Hitler's favorite. I don't know if that's why they're called the Wagner Group, but alas, that's what they, they believe the name comes from. So he started this uh this group now there's different. I've read different things about this. The Perception is that maybe they started out as a more advanced, like special forces kind of group, but they've since become uh, not that. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But it's a paramilitary group, so it's military like, but it's not the government. But it's Kremlin backed. Obviously, they they do the bidding, have done the bidding of the Russian government. So the Wagner group, Wagner, Wagner, the Wagner group is a private army and the hot dog salesman is their commander in chief. And they have always worked in Putin's interest. I could not imagine Putin allowing a paramilitary group under his watch unless they were in fact operating under their, uh, their control. So they've sent these mercenaries to Syria and in the middle of Africa working on behalf of Russian interests. And there's some connection here, we could talk about this with some of the guests later, where they go into these like African countries uh, on behalf of Russia and then in exchange they get the contracting rights to the minerals or gold or whatever. So it's, it's super corrupt. And then of course Ukraine. So one of the claims is that this Wagner group has recruited Russian inmates to join their ranks. In December 2022, Our government claimed that the Wagner Wagner group had 50,000 fighters, 50,000 in Ukraine. So again, that's very different. You can't have 50,000 special forces. So it went from special forces to criminals. 10,000 contractors and 40,000 convicts made up the ranks. No one knows the real number, but that's the number that the United States is going with. So the commander-in-chief there, he told people in prison, like, hey, come join us. Nobody goes back behind bars, serve us for six months, and you're free. And anyone in Russia who doesn't like that idea, he said it's either prisoners or your children. So, who's going to be fighting in Ukraine? It's either these prisoners or your children, you decide. That's actually nothing new. We have evidence going back to 100 BC in China using prisoners. In battle, but it all there's a range, right? Are, are we are these countries forcing prisoners to fight and die on the front lines as cannon fodder, or are these prisoners being patriotic and fighting hard for their country and using this as a good deal to get out of right? Right, somewhere in between, we've never really done this in America. You're not even allowed to join the military if you've ever had a felony. So far from having felons join the ranks, we're, we're quite the opposite. But now, with the Wagner group, it's almost exclusively felons who just the other day. We're in prison. another benefit of for Russia of using the Wagner group is something happens in Syria or whoever, and and Russia can be like, "What? That's not us no that's that's not the Russian military. We're not doing anything in Syria. Something happens in Ukraine, and Russia can be like, oh, man, that those guys, I'll tell you oh that, that's not us though. We would never. They did this back in 2014. Uh, that's not us in Ukraine. No, 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 it's not us. And then it kind of goes the other way. Let's say a bunch of these these Wagner Russians die. The Russian military doesn't count them as military deaths. So where the media may be like, hey, 20,000, I'm making a number up, but 20,000 Russians were killed. Uh, Putin's like, no, no, they weren't. It wasn't the Russian military. Those weren't, that didn't happen. All right, so that's the background. So that gets us up to this weekend. <laughs> that gets us up to Friday. So progression led a rebellion against Putin. That's the big story of the day. We're being told, led a rebellion against Putin, and apparently America knew that this was going to happen. They were marching to Moscow. This this Wagner group, led by a guy who has known Putin for decades and owes, I mean, all of his power and money to Putin, led a revolt. Against Putin and a real one, a real insurrection, not a January 6th little boy stuff. This is men with tanks, not a guy with his feet on Nancy Pelosi's secretary's desk. So the Wagner group got 120 miles outside of Moscow, not outside of Russia, 120 miles outside Moscow, two hour drive. And then the president of Belarus got involved. We'll talk more about that in a minute and uh, somehow brokered some sort of peace deal and ended the rebellion. So that's where we're at. So how much damage did this cause? How much damage did this cause to Putin, his reputation, his strength, his power, the rest of the people in the Kremlin? Uh, we're, We're told different reports, but that the Wagner group shot down three Russian military helicopters and killed up to 39 Russian military members. Is that true? So what does this say about Putin's control over Russia? And this is tricky because you don't, you cannot mess around with Russia because they have nuclear weapons. It's a totally different deal than nearly any other country in the world. Now, let me say one, can I throw in one conspiracy theory here real quick? i just throw it out there, not saying I believe it, but it's all too weird. Why would Putin let This guy off the hook, this guy who was leading a revolt against his country, marching to Moscow, why would he, Putin let this guy off the hook? Putin throws teenagers in jail if they criticize the war in Ukraine. Why would he let a guy who literally led an armed insurrection off the hook? The conspiracy theory is this group, this Wagner group, was in southern Ukraine. And if you get out your your handy dandy Rand McNally map of Ukraine, Belarus, and Moscow, uh, southern Ukraine, you got to march up to Moscow. And then if you retreat into Belarus, you are now awfully close to Kiev. You're awfully close to the capital of Ukraine now. So, could this potentially have been an effort to just move troops from one part of Ukraine closer to the capital of Ukraine? Could Putin be playing the rest of the Western world for a bunch of fools? I don't know. I look forward to our guests debunking that theory. But you can't mess around with this situation. There has always been—I shouldn't say always—since the beginning of this, like people like Lindsey Graham talking about overthrowing Putin right, from the beginning. Like the, like the point of this is to overthrow. It's like, what are you out of your minds? Talk of the U.S. forces helping Ukraine or doing it themselves, ourselves marching into Moscow to overthrow. Man, this isn't a video game. This is not a video game. This is not a uh, a fun game of risk that you're playing at two in the morning. This is serious stuff. You can't just march into countries and dethrone tyrants, especially if they have nuclear weapons and especially if you don't know who's next in line. My instinct says the devil you know in Putin is better than the devil you don't. In a nuclear-armed country, you don't mess around with this. Does Putin have a handle over his country? This guy, Prigozhin, has been very critical of Putin's military brass. He said of the defense minister, uh, so he's talking about his men. They, so my men, my Wagner group men, they came here as volunteers and are dying so that you, defense minister, can sit like fat cats in your luxury offices. I can hear people in our military saying that too. And then this gem here, the children of the elites smother themselves with creams and show it on Instagram and YouTube while ordinary people's kids return home torn apart in zinc-lined coffins. So this Peshogan guy does not care much for the military elites. So did he lead a revolt against them or is this a play to have uh, Putin perhaps even put this guy completely in charge of the Russian military? There is an instinct... Then we'll take a break here, take some phone calls, and uh, prepare for Oliver Lane coming up in a few minutes. There's an instinct in the media to find a bad guy and a good guy. Media falls for this all the time. And it's rarely that easy. It's rarely that clean cut. Media falls for it all the time. Putin, bad guy. Therefore, anyone against him, good guy. (laughs) Shogun, good guy. You're like, uh, I don't know. Like, it doesn't have to fit in that nice, neat, tidy framework. It's rarely that clean cut. So, I got like a lot of extra a lot of questions for our experts about what this means for us uh, here in America. How many more tens of billions of dollars are we going to be sending over there? Now, are we going to be sending in fighter jets? We sent missiles when we said we wouldn't. We've sent tanks. When we send we went we're uh already talks of sending jets when we send oh wait do, and if we send jets, and that means we send American fighter pilots eight six six nine five patriot let me take a quick break. I'll give the quick of why I think this matters to us and why I think it's important that we keep an eye on this war way over in a place that we've never thought about before as we're getting dragged deeper and deeper. Mike Slater, host of Breitbart News Daily on SiriusXM. This is an interview we did with Tom Homan. He was the former acting ICE director under Donald Trump. And we, conservatives, had a loss in the Supreme Court the other day when it came to immigration. An unfortunate, surprising loss. So we talked a little bit about that. But then Tom gives us some amazing facts, some amazing perspective, And finally, I have the truth to debunk one of Gavin Newsom's talking points about why we need to be a sanctuary state and sanctuary cities, why, why, why it's necessary to be a sanctuary city. And Tom Homan just destroys that talking point. So I need to hear it again to make sure I know the full story as well. Here it is. Tom, how are you, sir?
1: Doing good. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, good to talk to you. So uh, what happened? Give us the background of the Supreme Court decision. Eight to one vote. So, so what's the context we need to know?
1: Well, it, it, I'm surprised at the decision because I thought the decision was pretty straightforward, uh, the, the, the lower court decision. I actually testified in Houston, Texas, as an expert for the state of Texas, and we won that case through the 5th District, Judge Tifton. Well, the, what it also basically says is that when, when, when this administration came in, Secretary Mayorkas set a new priority for ICE, who they can and can't arrest. And bottom line is once you do the, the analysis – uh under the Trump administration, when I ran ice ninety one percent of everybody we arrested was a criminal alien, which means not only was he here illegally, they were also convicted of a crime and where well, okay,
0: i'm sorry convicted of a crime where they came from no, or of a crime while, while they've
1: here been here, in here, here. In the
0: States? can you say that fact say the whole fact one more time I want to make sure I get that right that's crazy.
1: Ninety-one percent of the people we arrested on the Trump administration were illegal aliens in the country of Libya, plus yep. they were convicted of a crime here in the United States. Well, the, this administration, Mayorkas came in and said, well, you're only going to arrest the most serious criminals. They, when he said that, the, the list of criminals were very low. So what, 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 if you look at who, they, who they're arresting under the, under the Biden administration, 85 percent of the criminal aliens we arrested on the Trump administration – are off the table. For instance, uh, if, you're in, country, for instance, if you're, you're in the country illegally and you got arrested for domestic violence, you're not a priority. If you got arrested for burglary, you're not a priority. If you've been arrested for DUI, you're not a priority. Even though they're in the country illegally anyway, which is enough reason to be arrested, this administration does not allow ICE arrest them. So I testified that it's, you know that they're, they're arresting a lot less criminal aliens, which is going to be a public safety issue in this country. The basis of the Texas lawsuit was when you don't arrest and remove criminal aliens, it costs the state of Texas money. It costs the state of Texas money to find them and arrest them when they commit a crime. It costs them to incarcerate them. It, it costs social services. So Texas says, we're, we're, you know, this is caused the state of Texas to lose a lot of money. The Supreme Court said Texas did not have standing in this case because oh, wow. they have no harm. The bottom line is ISIS continue, going, they're going to continue to arrest very few criminal aliens, which is a public safety threat, which I find shocking that they have an 8-to-1 decision on this.
0: Yeah, so the new standard is people who pose a threat to national security, public safety, and border security. So that's who they're going to focus. The the ICE is going to focus their efforts on people who pose a threat to national security, public safety, and border security. So I'm guessing border security would be like the Coyotes or something? But I don't understand that and like national security would be terrorists, but public safety like that's domestic abuse, that's domestic violence, isn't it? And yeah.
1: burglary, isn't that public there, safety? There, yeah, there's there's a there's, well, there's a strong opposition in the opinion whether public safety. To me, someone that commits a, a gets convicted of DUI is more of a public safety than someone that commits felony bank fraud. Because, you know, over yeah. 10,000 people a year die from DUI. I mean, I, I would consider that a significant public safety factor. But the one you said, border security, here's why that's a lie. Because border security said those who enter the country now, recent border entrants, are going to be a priority. And, and this administration is not treating them as a priority. Let me explain why. Because of all the millions of people they've released into the United States to, to go see a judge and have their hearings. You know, look at the immigration court data. Nine out of ten will never get released in the U.S. courts. They simply don't qualify for asylum. So they get order removal. Now, the question is, how many of these people who are ordered removed after entering this country the last two years, how many of them have been removed by ICE? The answer is pretty close to zero because I know people in the ICE command. I talk to people in ICE command. So I ask them, when these people get released and if they show up in court or not show up in court, they're going to get an order removal. How many of these people are you looking for in removing? The answer is zero. They're not looking for them under the direction of Mayorkas, because Mayorkas has said being in the country illegally on its own is not enough to ICE to seek an arrest. So that is out the window. <laughs> so, so again, what, what what
0: would be a thing that someone would need? How bad does it have to be? How how? How many illegal things do you have to do to, uh, to, to, to a, what severity in order to be someone that ICE says, oh, okay, all right, yeah, that, that's too much?
1: Well, let's put it this way. But, you know, remember two months ago in Texas, you had that uh, family that was murdered by the neighbor because they asked him to stop shooting in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. Let's use him for example. He had several DUI convictions. Under the Trump administration, he would have been a priority. He would have been arrested and removed. He wouldn't have been here to kill five people. Now, he, now that he killed the family... Now he's a priority because murder is a priority, but in my opinion, that's too little, too late. Because these five people are dead because ICE could not arrest this person. The bottom line is this: this, and I say this many times. You don't. You should not have to be. You should not have to commit a crime after you enter the country illegally to be removed by ICE. The law is clear. When you cross the border illegally, that is a crime in itself. You're in the country illegally, that is a crime. And when I became ICE director, I remember my first testimony, mem- the Democrat members of Congress went nuts because I said this. If you're in the country illegally, you better be looking over your shoulder because we're looking for you. It's not okay to enter this country illegally. It's a violation of our laws. Just like I don't go 100, I don't go 100 miles down a freeway. Why? Because I don't want a speeding ticket. I don't lie on my taxes. Why? Because I don't want to go to jail. So the people who enter country legally need to be concerned. They need to look over the shoulder because the law says if you're in the country illegally, ICE can and should arrest you. So the Secretary Meariarkis is not—he's not Congress. He's not the legislative branch. He can't tell agents to just ignore the law and and, and do what he wants you to do. And that's why I was shocked. Over this decision, because Mallorcas has basically said, ICE agents, I know you took an oath to enforce the Immigration Nationality Act. The law is passed by Congress and signed by a president. But I'm telling you, you're only going to arrest a small fraction of those people.
0: Yeah, brutal. Uh, but Tom, you say, uh, former acting ICE director, uh, you say uh, these illegal immigrants, they need to be walking, uh, looking over their shoulder. No, Tom, we need to bring them out of the shadows.
1: Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to tell you something. And I said this the other day and a Fox News shit, and I took a lot of hate for this, but I'll, I'll stay with it. But for those, you know, several million of this administration released in this country that will be ordered removed, don't get too comfortable because the me- next administration is going to look for you and we're going to deport you. Now, can we find everybody this administration released in this country? Probably not. We're going to give it one hell of a shot. The next Trump administration will remove these people because that's what the law says we're supposed to do.
0: I got a question. So uh, Gavin Newsom, governor of California, was on Hannity's TV show the other day. And uh, talking about immigration, of course, and California being a sanctuary state. And one of Newsom's argument was, if we don't bring people out of the shadows, Tom, then they're going to be hesitant, or just will not, report crimes that are committed by other people in their neighborhoods. right? Because if if you're an illegal immigrant and you see a crime... You're afraid that if you go to the police, you, Tom, you, and Ice are going to be there waiting to grab them. And, and go. so because they're not going to report the crime, therefore crime goes up. So we want crime to go down. So we're going to uh, say, hey, hey, you can tell law enforcement uh, it was something bad happened, and we won't come get you. How often? Like, what? What is that argument? Is that a legitimate argument in any way?
1: No, it's crap. It's it's, it's a lie. Because here's the facts. Sanctuary State, like California, does not allow uh, their law enforcement work with ICE. ICE is not allowed to go in their publicly funded jails to arrest people that they have already arrested. ICE wants to talk to the, <laughs> the criminal alien in the jail. We want to put the detainer on him. <laughs> and look, the, the, the state has already decided to lock this guy in the jail cell for some reason. So either he's a public safety issue or, or he's, a, he's a, a threat to release or something. or There's a he, you know, the reason they already decided to lock this person up. Sure, That's what we want to talk to. We're not interested in the victim and witness. And let me say this. When you don't cooperate with ICE, the ICE in the jail, you're going to release that guy back in the community? There's a victim and witness of that crime. Wants a perpetrator back in the community? Give me a break. That's just yeah. a big lie. What Governor Newsom needs to understand is when you release that person back in the public to reoffend, that makes the immigrant community less safe. And when ICE has to go find them in the immigrant community, that's when we're probably going to find others with them that weren't wow, even our radar and now we're going to arrest. So Sanctuary State says a couple things. It makes the immigrant community less safe. It makes the job for ICE agents more dangerous because now you gotta arrest that alien on his turf rather than a safe to the jail. And, and 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 it it's 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 gonna put the immigrant community at greater risk of ICE arrest because now ICE is in their neighborhoods rather than a jail. If wow, you went to an immigrant community, community center and asked them a simple question, would you rather have ICE in your jail or ICE in a community? What do you think they're going to say? They want ICE in a jail.
0: That's very good. So, But this is based off the premise that ICE was or would be hanging out outside of police stations waiting for witnesses of crime to come up and report something that happened. Are you saying that has never happened and would never happen, or was there a legitimate fear in the past that that did happen?
1: There's no legitimate fear. What ICE wants, they want the guy locked in the jail cell. That's who they want to talk to. And look, here's what Gavin Newsom is saying. When they fingerprint somebody, like everybody, you get arrested, you're going to get fingerprinted. Those fingerprints get sent to NCIC through the system. When those fingerprints get sent to NCIC, they automatically bounce against the DHS databases. So now we know when those fingerprint DHS databases say, wait, oh, this guy, we arrested and deported him before. So he's in the country illegally. So we're going to ask that county jail for access to the jail to we'll talk to him, process him, and when you're done with him, give them to us. That's what the whole story is. Again, if you're a victim of a crime and you're in the country illegally, ICE can actually give you a visa, a V visa. So we'd actually give them a benefit. But again, we're not looking for the victims. We're not looking <laughs> That's for the the witnesses. opposite. That's unbelievable. So you're saying
0: far from ICE hanging outside the police stations waiting for witnesses, you're you're like you get a benefit if you're a witness. You're an illegal immigrant who happens to be a witness of a crime.
1: That can help you in your legal status. If you're a victim of a crime, you can apply for an immigrant visa as a victim of a crime. What?
0: Even if you were already here in America, illegally? Yes. Well, that's like its own potentially crazy thing. But but that's so the opposite of what Gavin Newsom is portraying. He thinks you guys are going after anyone and everyone who's an illegal immigrant, even the— Witnesses to crimes. Is that true or no?
1: Mr. Gavin Newsom, he y'all educate himself. Look at go to the ICE websites who they're arresting. Again, 9 out of 10 people that ICE arrests is a convicted criminal or pending criminal charges, which means we found them in the jail. Now, what's that other 9%? You know the other 9% yes, is? Most yes. of those 9% are collateral arrests. Where the collateral Arrest happen? In a sanctuary city. Why? Ah. Because we couldn't arrest a bad guy in the jail. We had to go to the neighborhood, and we found the guy we're looking for. He was with three other illegal aliens. And guess what? They're going to get locked up, too, because we're there. We're not going to ignore it. So if they want if they want, ICE to go from a 91% to 98% criminals, then let us in the damn jails.
0: Tremendous. Oh, gosh, that makes sense. That's so good. All right, beautiful, Tom. Um, all right, last question for you uh sanctuary cities so we got uh new york we got chicago la there's a bunch more and more recently so i used to live in san diego until two days ago and they uh sent i think texas yeah yeah texas via florida sent some illegal immigrants to los angeles and los angeles immediately shipped them to san diego and a bunch of other cities so and then we hear about chicago be like oh we're full New York's complaining. It's like, what do you mean? You're full? Like what are you talking about? You have like a couple thousand people. You're full? You're a huge massive city. And and then of course the red states, the red governors are like, You guys are saying you're sanctuary cities. Like, well we're not, you are. What's the problem here? What's your message to these sanctuary city mayors and
1: governors? You know, if you if stop stop being sanctuary cities, work with heist. If you know like take Chicago for a second, look at the crime rate in Chicago. Now is the mayor of Chicago doing everything he can to to decrease the crime rate? No. Because of, of that percentage of aliens in Chicago that commit a crime, they wouldn't recidivate, they wouldn't commit another crime if you cooperate with ice when he's in your jail and that ice remove them not only from the neighborhood, remove them from the country. And as far as New York, Chicago, they can understand something. They're you know, they can be mad because a Republican governor delivers aliens to them, but guess what? They're gonna go there anyways. The illegal aliens going to go to New York. Why? Because you can live in the city of New York. You, they'll give you monetary assistance. They'll actually help pay for your immigration lawsuit. I mean, the immigration uh, court case that you're going to have because you were arrested. They're going to let you have a driver's license. They're, they're going to provide you with social benefits. And, and guess what? In New York City, you can even commit a crime, get locked up at Rikers Island, and you can be rest assured that, that the New York is not going to help ICE. They're not going to call ICE. And when I was director, we had 12 agents Every shift covering Rutgers Island, we arrested hundreds of migrants every every week out of Rutgers Island, but they kicked us out of Rutgers Island because now they're a sanctuary city. So why wouldn't you go to New York if you can get a job to help you pay for your immigration uh, uh, case? You, uh, you can even get arrested. They're not going to cooperate with ICE. You, you know, why, why wouldn't you go to New York City? So they're going to go to sanctuary cities anyways for, because they know they're shielded from ICE. They're just mad because of the Republican governor is sending them to them.
0: Hmm. Uh, it, it's just sorry, this may seem a little off, but it just triggered me. It was less than 30 years ago that California passed Prop 187, which said, among other things, no illegal immigrants are uh, allowed on any welfare, are not allowed to go to any schools or even receive health care in the state of California. You, you, None of that. And it passed. The state of California, a vote of the people, 59%. It wasn't even close. It was called the Save Our State Initiative. 59% of people supported it. And it got struck down in, in federal courts. But like, And 30 years later... Look how different the state of California was. take California is on on this issue. That is a wild transformation over not a long period of time That is Could you imagine if California was or even if Texas of any state right now was like, "Oh, illegal immigrant, you're not allowed in our hospitals. you're not allowed in our schools that That seems crazy compared to where we are right now.
1: yeah, look if they couldn't get a job, most of them' come home and go home but you know, these, these Democrat lawmakers, they're, they're, they really think, there's a, they perceive a future political benefit by opening this border up and lining them up. They think they're going to be future Democrat voters because this country has shown over and over again, you can enter this country legally, you can be ordered removed, but just go into hiding, don't leave. And if you hang out long enough, if you're successful to hang out long enough, you can, your is going to come or DACA is going to come, we'll give you some awards for it, and we prove we do that. And if you have a U.S. citizen child, if you come here illegally and you decide to have a baby and he's a U.S. citizen child, then when, you, when ICE does find you, like when I was ICE director, I even got called by Republican senators. Why would you remove that guy who had two U.S. citizens? Well, sir, the answer is you enter country illegally, you didn't have a kid. He was ordered removed from the country. He didn't have any kids. But because he went into hiding for several years and had a couple of USC kids, now you're telling me he should get amnesty? Now you're telling me he's immune from the law? Because if that's the case, if the, if the immigration court judge is if orders don't mean anything and we can't execute them, then shut down the immigration courts too. What the hell are we doing? So they see they perceive a future political benefit. These people be future Democratic voters. But they don't even have to vote. Because under, under President Biden, he overturned, he overturned the Trump census rule, which means these millions of people in sanctuary cities will be counted in the next census, which is going to result in more seats in the House for the Democrats. This is about perpetual power. They sold this country out for for future political power.
0: It's a great point. It's not even their vote because they can't vote now yet. Uh, but you're right. Representation, congressional representation, uh, moving forward. That's a really good point. Uh, last question for you, Tom. This is on Breitbart.com. Uh, official says Biden's CPB1 program benefits drug cartels. What is the Customs and Border Protection 1 application?
1: This administration decided they're going to bring people through a port of entry to make their asylum claims. So rather than entering the country illegally between a port of entry, this administration is knowingly bringing people in, through a port of entry to, to claim, uh, to, to file a case for, 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 um, uh, and, uh, for,
0: yeah, embassy
1: am to say, or sign the to, for, for, yeah, and for, they're going to pull them into a port of entry to make their asylum claims. 20 states have filed a lawsuit against it, they're going to lose it. And, this, and they know the same data numbers I just gave you. They know based on immigration court data over the last decade, nine out of 10 don't qualify. They know these people don't qualify, but they're going to bring them through the port of entry. Why? Because they can tell, hey, guess what? Illegal immigration is down 50, 60%. It's not really down 50, 60%. Let me tell you what the numbers are right now. They picked 11 port of entries, including the, the, the Miami airport, to bring people in to claim asylum through the ports. That, that, that each of these port of entries have a, a, a minimum of 550 to 600 a day. That is, that is their goal. That, that is the number they've been given to get to that, to that port. So if you look at the numbers, they're bringing 6,000 people a day through the port of entry. Illegal aliens that come across illegally right now is about 3,500. Right now we're at 9,500 a day coming to this country. You have the Godaways, which average 1,500 a day. You're over 10,000 illegal aliens a day entering this country. So the numbers have not went down on the border. They simply took a large section of those illegal aliens and put them in the port of entry. It's a shell game. They're lying to the American people. And these other news networks have bitten off on it. They so say, look at it. Illegal immigration is down 60%. No, it's not. They're making illegal immigration legal by bringing them through the port of entry. They will lose this in federal court. And I can't wait for that decision to be made so they can stop smuggling illegal aliens through the port of entry. I've arrested U.S. citizens for smuggling aliens in the United States. And the Biden administration is complicit in smuggling aliens in the United States they know do not qualify for any benefit.
0: Tom Holman, former acting ICE director under Trump. Tom, keep up the wonderful work. Sir. we're grateful.
1: You got it. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We obviously have not stopped covering this or will not fall for it at Breitbart.com. To go back to the first story, how, how could the Supreme Court say that there is no harm to the state of Texas, when they are forced to have illegal immigrant criminals, but I repeat myself in Texas, how can Texas not have standing when there are illegal immigrants who then commit other crimes allowed to live in the state by an unenforced federal law how can how can the Supreme court justice be like oh no you don't have you don't have standing you don't have you, you haven't proved harm what do you what, how how do we how could you prove harm if not that? Like, what What other harm would, uh, how high of a bar is that? Like, this clearly harm. Wow, that's wild. I'm American made. I got American I got- Thank you for listening to the Breitbart News Daily podcast. I'm Mike Slater. Um, Again, it's surreal to be here. Um, I am not Alex Marlowe. Alex Marlowe is phenomenal and, and been here for so many years. And as a radio fan, I know what it's like to have your favorite host taken from you. Uh, but I will do the best I can to continue on in his name and also in the legacy of Andrew Breitbart and in the uh, worldview of Breitbart.com. We still have all that is, is with us and true. And we have that foundation we're going to go forward and i'm grateful you're here with it breitbart news daily podcast mike slater spread the word